What's going on, my friends? Welcome back to Titus Talks. Today, I'm super stoked to get to talk to Doc Kendra about stupid science and all the cool stuff she's doing. Um, before we hop in, remember, you can find everything at TitusTalksPodcast.com. You can go to Apple, YouTube, Spotify, all that cool stuff. Give us all the thumbs, stars, and, and the comments you like so we can keep doing what we're doing. So with that, Doc Kendra, thanks for joining us. Hey, no worries. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so we love to talk and hear about everyone's awesome careers. So we're going to start with the kind of standard open. Tell us a story. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So uh, long ago when I was a wee lip whippersnapper, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, um, I did my undergrad at an HBCU called Stillman College. It's a small liberal arts, uh, historically black college and university that's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama right down the street from the University of Alabama where all the folks say Roll Tide. Um, <laughs> and so if you're a football fan, you'll, you'll get that one. Yeah. And uh, from there, I went on to grad school and my major was biology and undergrad and then cancer bio and grad school at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, my dissertation research focused on chemo prevention through uh, dietary phytochemicals, looking at epigenetic mechanisms that uh, influence that. And then I went on to uh, get uh, do a postdoc, and I started in a master's program at University of Chicago to do more bench-to-bedside uh, translational research. But I found that um, the way or the method of approach for uh, academic research just wasn't uh, making a, a fast enough impact uh, on the patient. And so I wanted to be more patient focused. And so I transitioned into industry where I am now a clinical trial project manager uh, at a major pharmaceutical company. That's awesome. Well, and not just a, not, you know, that's your day job, but you're also doing all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, uh, that's my day, day job. Yeah, on the side. Stupid science. Yeah, Stupid Science is a nonprofit um, organization that was birthed from the frustration that I was feeling um, in my academic pursuits. Uh, it started out as a blog and eventually it evolved into a 501c3 where we award a scholarship. Uh, we have two, we have a nursing scholarship and we have a STEM scholarship for students who attend historically black colleges or universities. And our mission is to help diversify the field in the face of STEM uh, and get more uh, minority group members in, in those in those fields, in those STEM fields. That's super cool. Well, how did you go from like the kind of academic path for undergrad, grad, postdoc to thinking about like launching a 501c3? That's not a path that I had ever considered. Well, um, I, so probably like my third or fourth year into grad school, I realized that, and I, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the typical grad program, but usually there's a teaching component somewhere in there. Yeah. And um, I had to teach undergraduate biology and I really fell in love with um, students and student development. And I was tutoring part-time as well as uh, teaching a biology lab for freshmen. And um, I was like, huh, this is, this is really cool. I like this. And from there, I started to kind of think about uh, what I would like to see my future on down the line to look like. And that included um, in some capacity working uh, in a college 
uh, as an administrator. And so I think uh, at some point I would like to be the president of an HBCU or something like that. And what I notice is similar on these individuals' profiles is that they um, have some sort of nonprofit experience. They have some teaching experience. And so I uh, have taught um, undergraduate biology as an adjunct professor. Uh, and they have business um, savvy. They either have an MBA or they have worked in um, a, a highly functioning corporate environment. And so that that's my rationale behind that. And so if I can merge all of those things and bring them together and take my knowledge of grant the grant application process and all of that, then maybe one day I'll be ready to um, step in the shoes of the next uh, the the next university that is looking for a for a president. <laughs> oh man, that would be. I have certainly like daydreamed about that, but I can't imagine what it would take to like run a whole university. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of work and you, it, it has to be a labor of love. It's one of those things that um, there has to be a passion for. You can't just approach it as another job because you spend a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time in the environment. Totally. Katie, how did you find Stupid Science? Because you're, you're the one who found Stupid Science and that's how we ended up here, right? Um, so I was on LinkedIn, just you know, doing the doing the scroll one day, and I came across a video that uh, that Kendra was doing, and just I, I think you know she was sort of talking about her her journey and, and like what her day job entails, but just like the way she spoke about science and how she was obvious like obviously very intelligent and leading very important work, but she seemed so approachable at the same time, right? There was just like this humility in this like creativity and curiosity. Um, that sort of like came through and I was like, oh, I want to click on her LinkedIn profile and see what she's up to. And then I found stupid science and just the whole ethos behind that um, was just so engaging. And then I listened to a couple of episodes of her podcast and Kendra, I would love for you to share with our listeners, like the way you start your podcast, because I think it's so real and it's so just I, I think it challenges the culture of science quite well. So yeah, I'll, I'll hand it back over. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I challenge the listeners to do three things. And the first is to expand their minds. The second is to think critically. And the last is, uh, and certainly not least, is to formulate new hypotheses. Um, and then at the end of that, I say, and, and remember, it's okay to feel stupid, but don't you dare stay that way. And, and that is my catchphrase and that is my slogan um, because there's um, an article that was published several years ago by Martin A. Schwartz. Um, and he talks about the, the stupidity of science and how in order to really do well in science, you have to be willing to uh, charter the unknown and, and yeah, totally. feel stupid, you know, because that's what science is. You are literally at the break, at the cutting edge of discovery. You are learning uh, what no one else has ever learned before. And so there are going to be moments where you feel stupid. There are going to be moments where you are completely wrong. And the thing that you thought was happening is not happening. And that's where discovery happens. And um, and it's always so, so incredibly interesting. It's like, wait a minute, did I just, did I just discover something new? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yes, you did. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that's such a cool ethos and approach to life. How did you... Do you know how you came about that? Because it's a, like, it's a, it's a confidence that a lot of people, like a lot of people in grad school in particular, when you're learning science, you feel so inferior because you feel stupid. And it's really the first time most super high functioning people end up in grad school without like, you know, it's not about grades. It's about the unknown. And you start to like question yourself. And 
How did you yeah. actually, like, turn that into a super strength? Uh, I had to become comfortable being <laughs> uncomfortable. At no point uh, in my journey am I a hundred percent like, yes, this is this is the way. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is. Uh, a lot of people fake it until they make it. Um, for me, it has been not being afraid to say, I don't know. Uh, because I don't know does not mean that I will not always not know. It just means that right now I don't know and I have to dig a little deeper and try a little harder. Now, I know a lot of people uh, who are in these fields and who are high performing and high functioning individuals, they do experience imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and that's very real. And I actually have a blog post where I talk about imposter syndrome and I'm like, well, how do you conquer it? Well, you don't, <laughs> you never really do. You just learn to deal with it. It's like, mm, yeah, I, I feel like uh, they're gonna pull the veil and realize that I'm a bumbling idiot at any point. And then you kind of go back and you listen like, wait, I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. Well, maybe I do know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Um, and, and you just kind of keep rolling with the punches day by day. I started tackling the imposter syndrome when I realized almost everyone around me also felt that way. So then you're like, yeah. not an imposter. You're all just feeling stupid in your science. I like that. <laughs> that I mean, that really is the, cause we have a lot of people who listen who are in, in grad school. And I mean, especially in your second year after classes, like you feel totally lost. Like the first time yeah. you're staring at the abyss of knowledge and don't know where to go look up the answer or something like that which is crazy, mm -hmm. but like everyone feels that way. So the imposter syndrome is actually the more, in my case, at least in, I felt it was the more common sentiment, but no one talks about it. Yeah. But it's easy yeah. to say like, oh yeah, we all feel imposter syndrome, but everyone in the room doesn't go, oh, I'm currently doing that too. So then you're like, well, I maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the only one and I'm the imposter and that's yeah, crazy. Yep. Yep. It's like, nobody wants to seem like like they don't have it together and like you're from the outside I, I feel like we're all like little kids just playing dress up pretending to be adults yeah. i mean at least that's what i'm doing totally. <laughs> well i always i like that attitude too because i've always thought of it as like you, you know it's not a failure you just haven't it's not yet success you haven't yet figured it out yes um and that to me helped as well because i was thinking you know i just one probably around my qualification exams in grad school where i was like oh this is way more than i want to deal with and then i realized you know like honestly i've never truly categorically and catastrophically failed at something like you yeah. know i didn't get a good grade on something or i like botched an experiment or something but like when it all comes down to it the science got done i graduated from college i got into grad yeah. school or whatever it happens to be so it's like it's just like takes an it's, it's only a matter of time and then when i realized like for all intents and purposes it's inevitable to get there if you work hard enough i thought that was pretty cool yeah, it's like, am I really an imposter or did I really do the things that I was supposed to do to get to this point? Yeah. And then when you think about it, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I did the things I was supposed to do to get to that point. Uh, I remember when I first got into grad school, the first class that I took, it was epigenetics because I, I, I needed to know epigenetics in order to understand what I was doing in the lab. And I was just like, you know, I did a summer internship in this lab and it seemed cool enough, but then we started really getting into what it was and I was just like, oh man. And then one of the, one of my classmates 
had done undergrad at Princeton. And I'm just like, oh, wow, he was at Princeton. I was at little bitty Stillman and he was at the Princeton. And I'm in this classroom with him. What am I doing here? Do I even belong here? And then I, I call my mom. I'm like, mom, like, I don't know what I've gotten myself into. And she's like, Kendra, it was not your job. You weren't on the admissions committee. It was not your job to determine if you needed to be there, if you belong there. It was somebody else's and they determined that you belong there. So you need to stop <laughs> trying to do other people's jobs for them and do what you came there to do, which is to learn something new. And I was just like, breathe. And I did, I passed the class, I did well, I made it to graduation and I, I, I am where I am now. And every day I look back and like, did they, you know, just like, scoot you on by like no Kendra <laughs> they didn't scoot you on by you did well you got the publications you did you did what you needed to do and so it's a constant reminder of saying you you got this you can do this um if you keep trying you keep buckling down and I didn't always get the highest grade on every single test but I, I learned how to self-edit like okay what did I do that I can improve on next time? What can I focus on? Let me go talk to my professor. So there's a, a number of things that I think we can do if even if we aren't feeling like we're at our peak performance, we can improve over time. And that's the beauty about life. That's the beauty about trial and error. Uh, it's it's the beauty about the journey. <laughs> totally. I, I, I also got to that where I really started to embrace feedback mm -hmm. by, by changing it in that other people are doing the work for me. So what you're talking about, they'll do their job. They're going to judge whatever I'm doing, whether it's my science or my attitude or whatever. And I, I, I just offload that responsibility. Cool. Feedback mm -hmm. taken. I appreciate you thinking for me. I'm going to move on uh, and roll with that. So it's, I feel like it's a more efficient way to move, move through things. <laughs> Definitely. So you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're a pharma person, but you're also a book author now. Um, what's yes. Going on there? Yes, um, I have a book that's coming out in April. It's called The Black Girl's Guide to Greatness, a sort of kind of self-help <laughs> compilation of inner ramblings and poems. Uh, and so it is a really short book, uh, about 100 pages that just really goes into a... It, it goes into my imagination and what goes on in my brain as I'm thinking about things and takes short stories about uh, different individuals and, and fictitious accounts of case studies uh, of young women who experience different things and uh, and as they're coming along and the things that they need to succeed. Um, and then there's some advice and then some some straight talk. And, and I, I think it's a, a really good, gonna be a really good tool for people who are, kind of at that juncture where they're trying to figure out what's next in their career and how they get there and not necessarily certain, um, not, not, they don't necessarily have the confidence right now. Um, and so the, the book is to kind of let people know, like, you got this, <laughs> um, you, you can do it and and stand firm in, in that confidence. Don't let anybody shrink you. Um, and I, I think it's gonna be great. I, I really hope that it helps a lot of people. So. Uh, I call it B triple G for short. That's awesome. Well, we will certainly share um, the link to that when we when we publish this episode and everything, because um, I can think of about a half a dozen people in my life that would love to read that and share it with with their grad students and undergrads, and even my sister is a first grade teacher and would love to share it with her kids and families and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
So we will certainly do that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Where did you now? It, now it's not for kids, though. It's. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. So share it with the parents so the parents can keep a keep a vision on how to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So how did you get all like you write and produce more like we do this and we love it. Katie and I spend a lot of time, but not a lot of people end up in that kind of podcasting, blogging, authoring space. Like, why did you like, where did that come from? Because it's not academic writing in any capacity. Like, no, not at all. How did you start getting such like personality in your writing? Um, well, (laughs) it's embarrassing. That's where it's at. (laughs) I, um, when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I, I stumbled upon fan fiction. And so, <laughs> and so whatever reason, like you look back and you're like, God, it was terrible. It was awful, but it was fun to just like read people's, uh, fictitious stories and then kind of try to come up with my own. So it started there. And then, um, as time progressed, you know, just, chit chatting with my friends my mother's personality is really boisterous my mom she she's a great conversationalist and i love listening and talking to her and so um i think a a part of it is just genetics right from from the woman who raised me and then the other portion of it my friends always said uh kendra you you have a uh a radio voice or uh, they they said i sound like a a telephone sex operator (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so it was an ongoing joke all through undergrad. It was like, the madam is on the phone. I'm like, the madam? <laughs> and so that, that was that was really hilarious to me. Um, and so I was like, one day I'll probably do something where it's a podcast. And, um, but my last year in grad school, I got a fellowship through Susan G. Komen uh, in the School of Nursing. And I had the opportunity to really um really kind of nurture that interest that I have in, in patient facing material. Uh because what we did, we did workshops, we did um we we focused on cancer patient education and advocacy and working with uh patient um what do they call those the the patient navigators and things and things like that. And uh we there was a Susan G. Komen uh, survive all, survive that, uh, in partnership with Louisiana State University, uh, with University of Alabama at Birmingham, and there were blogs that we uh, that we made that were patient facing, and so that's when I first got that interest. It was like, okay, this is this is kind of uh, cool with with writing, kind of putting my science to lay persons terminology, and and, and reaching that. So you, uh, combining that creative fan fictiony sort of thing with the with the with the science and then communicating it with uh, the public it just kind of came forth that's so cool i feel like she needs to meet julian and talk about the gene deck shuffle i feel like that would be a very phenomenal conversation to have sometime i would love to meet julian He was uh, he was an earlier guest in in this season, and he's um, he's a creative that approaches science from a non scientific background. Okay, he has interesting views and is always makes us laugh and, and challenge the way that we we think about the way we talk about science. So 
it's uh I think we'll set that up. That sounds like a great, a great afternoon. One of these days. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, and then our last question for you, Kendra, is what advice do you have for our listeners? The advice that I have is you do not truly ever fail until you stop trying. So whenever you're out there facing your fears, facing the next challenge and going for the next promotion, whatever it is that you're doing, if you don't get the job, if you don't get the promotion, if you don't get into the school, if you fail the test, it is okay as long as you don't dwell in defeat. You know, I, I look at every setback as a setup for triumph. I like that. <laughs> so, yep, every setback is a setup for triumph. So um, keep going. Don't stop. How about any um, early tidbits of wisdom that you might be able to share from from your book, any like uh, snippets of straight talk you can give us? Snippets of straight talk. So there's a boldness does not make you angry. And this is in particular for high achieving women. Um, oftentimes we find ourselves in environments where we feel that we have to embody stereotypical traits of femininity which results in sometimes shrinking ourselves, right? And we're afraid to kind of speak out, talk up, uh, because we're afraid to be considered, you know, the B word <laughs> um, yeah. or angry. Um, specifically in the Black community, there's this adage of being an angry Black woman. And so um, a lot of times I find that my peers who are high achieving professionals, we tend to be quiet in, in, in important meetings or we don't contest as much because we're afraid of the perception of others deeming us angry um, or combative or confrontational. Yeah. And I don't think that that's fair. And I am a proponent of standing firm in that boldness. Well, that is, I think, a great way to, to cap this. Um, so, Kendra, I really appreciate you joining us and sharing your wisdom. Um, we're going to make sure we share Stupid Science and your book and all that kind of stuff. Um, and everyone else, remember, you can find all of this on TitusTalksPodcast.com and go check out everything that Kendra's doing because it's wonderful. Kendra, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs>